Hey guys, assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. So before we begin, I just want to make a quick note that, you know, someone reached out and told me that when I refer to the Prophet, peace be upon him, instead of saying peace be upon him, I should say the full thing, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, because this is actually the full sunnah. When you hear me say sallallahu alayhi wasallam, you should also say the same thing back. So chapter six continues with Surah An-Nisa. Allah talks about how he doesn't like it when people speak bad about others. So do not gossip or backbite. Only time a person has the right to speak out is if they were the victim. The person who was wrong has the right to speak out about what was done to them. But they should remember that Allah is all hearing and all seeing, meaning even if they decide not to speak out and not make a big deal of it, Allah will take care of it regardless. Allah says it is better that you ignore and pardon what that person did instead of talking about it. You expect Allah to forgive you, right? So you should forgive the mistakes of others. A person who hides the mistakes of others, Allah will hide the mistakes of that person on the day of judgment. If a person has made a mistake, you should advise them privately. Don't do it publicly and embarrass them. Allah talks about the Jews again and how they were given the scripture, they were sent down prophets, they were shown many signs, but the Jews rejected Jesus and were angry that Jesus was pointing out all the things that they were doing wrong. So then the Jews accused Maryam, Isa's mother, of nasty things. Oh, how did she give birth without a man? She must be lying. And then they even tried to kill Jesus. Well, they actually think that they did, but Allah actually took Isa's life to heaven before they could kill him. And Allah says, Isa will return one day and prove everyone wrong. Allah said that Isa will be sent down and he will testify against all of those people who disbelieved him. Allah tells us that he sent down many messengers, many prophets, some he told us about and many that he didn't tell us about. Why did Allah send so many messengers? So that people cannot complain that they were not told the truth. Allah says, be careful not to go overboard with your love for Jesus or Prophet Muhammad or any other leader or person. Do not start worshipping them or consider them God. Do not make dua for them asking them for help. Do not think that the Prophet or any other dead religious person can help you. No, they cannot. Yes, you may send salam to the Prophet Muhammad but do not ask them for help as if they were God. So this is where Surah An-Nisa ends and chapter 6 continues with Surah Al-Ma'idah. So Surah Al-Ma'idah begins by telling us, make sure you fulfill your promises to Allah and only follow that which is halal to you. Allah has made cattle halal, which includes camels, oxen, sheep, goats, cows. Allah has forbidden you to eat any animal that eats another animal, any animal that has canine teeth, any bird with claws, and of course pig is forbidden too. Allah says even animals that were sacrificed in the name of another god is also forbidden. Halal animals can only be eaten if the name of Allah was recited on it before slaughtering. Meaning, you can't eat animals that die naturally since you couldn't have recited the kalama on them before they died. And Allah says that even animals killed by strangling or other violent cruel methods are not halal to eat. The animals must be slaughtered with the least amount of pain. And there's actually a method that gives them a quick and painless death. Allah is not cruel to any of his creation. Only if a person is dying and has nothing else to eat, then they may eat from those things. This is the beauty of Islam and how flexible it is. Actually, even the food mentioned in other scriptures, Ahl Kitab, are allowed for us to eat, as long as they're also recited in the name of God. So kosher meat? Yeah, as long as they recite it in the name of Allah, it is halal to eat. This is actually a great example of how sometimes we might not understand why Allah might make certain things halal and other things haram. Some things are just beyond our brain capacity, so our job is to blindly trust what Allah tells us. Blindly trust Allah, okay? Do not blindly trust what a person says that Allah said this. Even if it is your parent, or even if it's a scholar, always research yourself to confirm that what the person is telling you is true. Allah talks about respect and how you must respect other people and their religions, and you must not disrespect their symbols, such as official flags of a nation, uniforms, churches, crosses, temples, turbans. Yes, do not follow or practice in their worship, but you must not be disrespectful either. 
do not destroy their places of worship, step on their flags, insult, or even mock them. Islam cannot be forced on anyone, and if we are rude like this, they will think badly of Islam and it will just make it harder to get along. If someone is trying to do the right thing or do something good, then help them. Even if they are non-believers, even if they are your enemy or you hate them, Islam promotes peace among people despite their differences. So if someone is trying to do something good to help other people in need, you shouldn't avoid helping them just because they're Christian or Hindu. However, do not participate in sin. Do not help or participate in doing something bad, even if it's your parents asking you to, or your friend, or even another Muslim. Allah says, do not defend someone who you know did something wrong or is guilty. Yes, hide their mistakes, but do not lie and defend them, even if they are your own parents or loved ones. Allah then talks about how it is forbidden to seek knowledge of the future through astrology, future telling, palm reading, psychics, beers, babas, magicians, etc. Anyone who tries to know their future from those things, their prayers will not be accepted for 40 days. Yes, sometimes we are afflicted with magic or evil eye and we really are curious to know who did it. And we go to people who claim that they can tell us. This is also haram and considered shirk because only Allah has knowledge of the future and the unseen, no one else. Any person who claims they have this knowledge only knows this because they use jinns to get that information, which is very haram. Allah said that Islam is complete. Everything that you need to know and that will help you achieve Jannah is already included in the Quran and Sunnah. And everything that we need to know that is bad for us is already inside as well, meaning you don't need to add anything to the Quran and Sunnah. Allah says, do not invent new ideas and ways of worship that are outside of the Quran and then say that this is part of Islam. For example, Going for Hajj and Umrah is a sacred blessing, but saying that, oh, you must travel to this grave of this prophet and pray to the companion of the prophet and make dua, no, 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 no. All of that is wrong. If it wasn't in Quran and Sunnah back then, then it is not part of Islam. Allah mentions marriage again and how men are allowed to marry a woman outside of Islam only if they are from the other holy scriptures, meaning Jews and Christians. Why? Because the wife and kids usually follow the religion of the dad and there's a better chance that he can convert the woman to Islam. It is very difficult for a woman to enter a family of a non-Muslim and make sure her kids practice Islam. Allah reminds us again about Salah and how we must perform wudu before praying and how we must be in a pure state. So if you have had intercourse or some form of discharge from your privates, then you must do ghusl bathe completely because wudu is not enough. Wudu, ghusl, and tayammam are actions that purify you physically and spiritually. The Prophet Muhammad said that when you are properly doing wudu and washing your face, arms, and legs, as the water falls off of you, it's as if the sins of your body are being washed away. So as you wash your hands, imagine the sins of your hands being wiped away. All these little things are simple and easy ways that Allah has made it so easy for us to increase our balance of good deeds. Allah has made it so easy to increase our good deeds and erase our bad deeds, and we don't even think about it or appreciate it. So remind yourself of Allah's mercy and all the blessings He's given you, and don't ignore your duty and responsibility to Allah. Allah mentions again, make sure you defend Islam, defend the oppressed, and seek justice. Do not let the fear and hatred of other people stop you from doing what is right, whether you're in a grocery store or out in public. When you see something wrong is happening, speak up. Allah has promised those who believe in Allah and His message that if they do their best and follow Islam, Allah will help them. He will forgive them. He will reward them. He will help them become better Muslims, and He will protect them from future harm. Those who disbelieve, they're on their own. Allah gives us an example about the promise that He made with the people of Bani Israel and how Allah promised them He would protect and provide for them if they honored their promise, but they didn't. We already know the story of how they took advantage of Allah's mercy and as a punishment, Allah took back His mercy and hardened their hearts. So Allah is telling us, don't end up like them. 
Allah tells us how the Jews and the Christians were given the scripture, but then they changed it and slowly moved away from their original message of Islam. Prophet Isa, Jesus, never claimed to bring a new religion. He didn't even call his followers Christians. He was there to remind them of the message Prophet Musa had brought, not a new religion. The people during the time of Isa were so amazed by his humanity that at first they thought, oh, he must be the son of God. Others were so amazed by his miracles that he performed that they thought, no, 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 this has to be God himself. And after Isa was taken, they kept coming up with new theories to explain the mystery. And that's how they came up with the Holy Trinity. Now, obviously during the time of Prophet Muhammad wasallam, Christians and Jews all had a problem with the new religion on the block. But then Allah tells us, the Jews and Christians and people from other faiths will annoy you. They will mock you, but you should have patience and pardon them for the sake of Allah. We cannot control others, but we can control ourselves, which Allah loves because it's better than being aggressive. If we let them get to us, then they win. It's the same way of how a bully is just looking for attention. Don't fall for it. The Christians and Jews both believe that they are Allah's favorite people, that because they are the chosen people, they can do whatever they want and Allah will forgive them. Allah says, ask them then why were they punished after their prophets left? If they were truly Allah's favorite, Allah wouldn't be pointing out their sins right now. They were Allah's favorite, but they took advantage of Allah's mercy, so they were punished. It's actually ironic that the Jews and Christians knew they needed guidance and they requested another blessing to be sent down, another prophet. And 600 years after Prophet Isa, Prophet Muhammad came bringing blessings and warning. Since he wasn't a Jew, they rejected him. They didn't listen and they didn't trust Allah. This is why Allah reminds the Jews of how their people during the time of Musa were given Musa to specifically help them during their time of need and how Musa did end up helping them. And once Musa got the Jews out of Egypt, Musa told them to enter the Holy Land. But the followers were scared of being killed by the people living there. Musa told them, do not worry. You have Allah's promise that you will be 100% safe. The Jews didn't listen, which showed that they didn't trust Allah or have faith that Allah would protect them. And this was after Allah had already saved them. So what did Allah do? He told them that this land will now be forbidden to them and they will have to wander the earth for 40 years. Allah makes this reference to remind the Jews that look what happened to your people back when they didn't listen to Musa and trust me. If you don't accept the Prophet Muhammad you will face a similar consequence. Allah is trying to make an example that he helped the Jews by sending Musa. Musa parted the sea for them. Allah helps when he wants to help, but he also expects us to put in the effort. If you want to be helped, you can't keep waiting for Allah to split the sea for you. You have to make an effort. You have to do your part and then trust that Allah will help. It was well known that the Jews and Christians wanted to get rid of Prophet Muhammad Allah then tells us another story of Abel and Cain, the two brothers, Prophet Adam's son. See, Allah tells us these stories not only to educate us about the history, but also so he can make a certain point in the current situation that the Prophet Muhammad was in. The story goes that each brother, Cain and Abel, gave a sacrifice, but Cain's sacrifice was rejected. Why? Because he had bad intentions and no fear of Allah, and Allah did not accept his sacrifice. Allah only accepts the deeds of people who perform them with good intentions. As the story goes, Cain wanted to kill Abel, and Abel told him, you're my brother, even if you tried to harm me, I won't harm you because I fear Allah more. This is to show us that anytime someone has wronged you, it is easy to get back at them, but it is better if you forgive them. Cain ended up murdering Abel, which was the first murder in humanity. Allah sent down a raven, a bird, to show Cain how to cover the dead body and only then did he feel guilty. But Allah says, it is not enough just to feel guilty. Yes, it is the first step, but you must make tawbah. You must make repentance. Guilt without asking for forgiveness is not enough. You have to apologize to Allah and then change that habit. This reference was made to remind the Jews what their punishment would be if they plotted to murder the Prophet again. Allah says there is a huge punishment for people who wage war against Allah and His Messenger. The punishment for people who go around the earth committing violent acts is death. Because what's super important? The safety and peace of society. 
because it's hard to improve society and practice Islam if you're constantly worried about murders happening. So that's why Allah says anyone who spreads violence, chaos, kills, rapes, murders, and is disrupting the safety of people's lives, it is as if they are waging war against Allah and their punishment is death. But look at the beauty of Islam and how merciful Allah is. That if a person repents sincerely after committing such sins and changes, Allah will forgive him. He will still have to stand trial for his crimes, but he won't be charged with the official crime of waging war against Allah, which is punishable by death. You should fear Allah and do your absolute best to become closer to him. Because the harder you struggle to make Allah happy, the bigger your reward will be. Allah talks about the punishment for thieves. Both men and women, one of their hands should be cut off. But, there's always a but, only if the value of what was stolen was a great amount. The Prophet Muhammad said, no hand should be cut off if the stolen item was a food or an animal from a forest. The Islamic law has made many other exceptions as to when the hand should not be cut off. However, this does not mean that the guilty people should not be punished. No, they are still held accountable. The purpose of having a punishment so severe is to make people think twice about stealing in the first place. It's meant to scare people into not stealing at all. The Prophet Muhammad put all of his effort into spreading the word of Islam. He had to deal with the haters. He had to deal with people who acted like supporters but then would go and spread lies behind his back. Yeah, the Jews did everything that they could to stop the spread of Islam from spreading. They would sit with the Muslims just to get information and then they would stab them in the back. Allah tells the Prophet, do not feel bad that all these people are treating you like this despite how nice you are. Allah will take care of it. Don't worry. What's ironic is that those same individuals, same haters, would go to the Prophet Muhammad and ask him for his opinion on certain situations. Why? Well, despite the fact that they had the Torah, they went to the Prophet hoping he will give a nicer punishment than what their Torah said. Allah says the true Muslim will always make a judgment based on what the Quran and Sunnah have allowed. Allah has sent down the Quran to confirm the same message that has been sent down to every Prophet and contains all the rules and laws that we need to follow. Allah says that yes, some rules are different in the Torah and Bible, and Allah could have easily kept the same rules for everyone, but He gave specific rules to each nation according to their situation. Allah says most importantly, the change in rules serves as a test. You obey whatever command Allah has given to you at that time. If Allah changes the command, then you follow the new command. The Quran has brought the final rules and commands of Allah, which is what we should all be following. Saying that you believe in Quran is not enough. You must act on it. Allah has made it fair. A life for a life, an eye for an eye, a nose for a nose, meaning if someone has wronged you in some way, you have the right to have the equivalent done. Someone scratches you, you're allowed to scratch them back. However, Allah says, whoever chooses not to get back at someone and be nice to them, it will be like charity and Allah will remove his sins from him. Allah made this rule so that people would be scared of their actions. Would you punch someone's eye out if you knew that the punishment would be that you also have to lose your own eye? Obviously not. Allah says many people were shown the truth and they decided to ignore it. So what did Allah do? He just replaced them. He did that with every nation in the past that decided to ignore Allah. And that's exactly what will happen to us too if we ignore Islam. Allah says, had the people of the book just followed the original Torah and Gospel, they would have been forgiven and allowed entrance into Jannah. It might seem like that there's a lot of things repeated in the Quran and it's true because Allah is trying to make a point by saying it over and over again. So for example, Allah mentions again how the Jews were sent so many prophets, given so many chances. They were spoiled, but they took Allah's mercy for granted. But this is a great example for us. Even though the Muslim Ummah is now kind of Allah's favorite, we should not take advantage of Allah's love like the Jews did. Many people are behaving the same way that, oh, we are Muslims. The Prophet Muhammad will save us. We can do whatever we want. I'll just make Hajj and wipe away all my sins. No, 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 no. You don't think Allah knows your silly plan? Do not take advantage of Allah's mercy. So that's the end of chapter six. Surah Ma'idah continues on to chapter seven.